Um, this is one of the famous texts on apostasy in, in the scriptures, which again is why I say welcome to Safe Haven. Boy, you picked a humdinger of a day to come. Um, but nonetheless, hopefully the Lord will, will speak to us. Um, so let's jump right back in where we left off last week. We're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Um, and, and so about this is where it begins, about this. About what? About chapters 1 through 5. About Jesus is more excellent than angels. Jesus is more excellent than the law. Jesus is more excellent than Moses. Jesus is more excellent than all these things. He is more excellent than anything. About that, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So he pauses there. So in our continuing journey, he says, listen, chapters 1 through 5, everything I've told you Jesus is more excellent than, I want to tell you more about it, but you've, you've become dull of hearing. And so he kind of pauses there. So we feel the weight of that. He, he doesn't mince words in this moment. In other words, he says, you're bored with it. You're, you're, you're tired of hearing about Jesus. You think that's boring. You, you're uninterested. You, you think it's a chore. And so you may be sitting in this room right now going, hold on a second, I kind of feel a little bit that way. Well, then maybe he's talking to you. So (laughs) maybe extra reason to kind of lean in today or uh, grab a pen and paper and just kind of lean into the text. If you feel yourself hearing somebody say, hey, let's talk about Jesus, and you go, you know, like Charlie... uh, Brown, thank you. <laughs> I was about to say Charlie's angels. I was like, that's not, that's not that Charlie I'm looking for. Charlie Brown, the teacher, wah, wah, wah. If, if somebody says, let's talk about Jesus, and you go, oh, that feels wah, wah, wah. Well, then, well, he's talking to you. He's saying, hey, lean in. I want to tell you all these excellent things, but you've become dull of hearing. And, and that is also why we teach exegetically through books of the Bible, not only by habit, But that's why we teach that way, by conviction. We're convicted that as we go through the text, we can't skip the excellencies of Christ. We can't get caught up on our topic of being happy or caught up on our topic of working hard or caught up on our topic of whatever. If we go through the Bible, we have to look at the excellencies of Christ on every page. And so that's why we do that by habit and conviction. Christ is hes like a kaleidoscope, guys. You guys remember kaleidoscopes? You know, you look through that thing and... They're mesmerizing. Uh, or a prism. I remember the movie Pollyanna. You all remember the movie Pollyanna? Oh boy, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> all of us old folks remember Pollyanna. Pollyanna, Pollyanna. She fell out of the window. And, and remember the prism scene? And the light comes through and it shines everywhere. And she's mesmerized by the prism and, and the light's everywhere. Christ is that. It's the writer goes, hey, when we think about Christ, he's like a kaleidoscope. He's like a prism. Everywhere we look, he's incredible. And we need to grow in that. But you've become dull of hearing. In just a few weeks, many of you guys are going to start hitting the beach. Y'all are headed that way. Yeah, I'm jealous of you, envious of you. And at this moment, if you're headed that way soon, then I hate you. I I don't mean that. I don't mean that. But, you know, it's kind of like that. You're driving to the beach, and if you're headed down to Gulf Shores... You know, you number one, you hit Bucky's, <laughs> and we've arrived at Bucky's. We needn't go no further. 
and then all of a sudden past Bucky's, you hit the Bay Bridge. You know when you start popping over that Bay Bridge and it kind of elicits some joy in you. And then you see the first palm tree, right? And then you, you roll down the window. It's 9,000 degrees, but you roll it down anyway because you're at the beach and you, you smell the ocean, right? And, and, then, and then you hit the T at the hangout, which was where nobody should ever be because there's way too many people there, which means germs and <laughs> hypochondriacs, my heart beginning to race, right? Um, and then you go to your condo. You hit that condo and it's just more joy. It's like, yes, we made it. And, and then you step out into the sands, Right? And it would be a travesty for you to go all the way there and just tip your your feet in the sands and go, we've arrived. When you can walk on a little bit further and hit the ocean and realize it's an endless sea of life that no man can explain. And that's what the writer's saying. He's saying, listen, when we talk about Jesus, He's not Bucky's. (laughs) He's not the Bay Bridge. He's not the first palm tree. He's he's not making it to the condo. He's not even stepping your toes in the sand. He is the endless ocean that you can never fully explain and mesmerizing. That's why we should be fixed on Him, is what He's saying. So He says, listen, I want to talk more about Jesus, but you've become dull of hearing And that warning, that dull of hearing, is what's going to set up apostasy. He's going to say that if you see yourself becoming dull of hearing about the excellencies of Jesus, you're on the cusps, verge, slippery slope of apostasy. Of just walking away. That's the mechanism by which you begin to walk away is kind of what he's getting at here. And and we all know that. Maybe I should pause and go, what is apostasy? Because maybe you're in this room and you go, I don't even even know what that word is, Troy. Okay, it just comes from two words. Um, Oppo means from. Histami means where I stand. So apostasy literally means to walk away from where I stand. So it could mean um, if you work at Nucor... Um, and you walk away from there, you, in generic terms, you apostasy from Nucor to somewhere else. And the writer's saying this dull of hearing is, is what ultimately can lead to you standing firm in Christ, mentally, not heart, but mentally, and then walking from it, apostating from it, walking from your understanding of the excellencies of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, so... This is, the, this is the crux of this text. And we all know people that have done that. We all know the college student who once tasted of Christ and said, yeah, Christ is great. And then they go to college and then all of a sudden there's this newfound philosophy that filled their ears and they became dull of hearing about Christ, wanted to hear more about this philosophy and then come home now as a, an, an agnostic going, I don't think I believe any of that. They've, they've gone from... Does that make sense? We, we know people who've done that in college. We know people that have done that because of the loss of a family member or some hurt that they've had. Jesus is excellent. I lost my child. Jesus is not excellent. And they walk from. We know this, don't we? We see this constantly in Hollywood. Hollywood. 
over and over and over. Somebody who's, I stand for Jesus, I am here. The light is shining on me. I'm, I'm beginning to, to grow in popularity. I stand for Jesus, I stand for Jesus, I stand. But if I take this money or this role or whatever, it's going to require me to stop talking about Jesus or whatever. And then ultimately the God becomes, I just want more money. Forget that guy. Life is about me. They've gone from, from where they once stood. And he says, listen, all of that, the root is don't become dull in your hearing. I want to tell you more about the excellencies of Jesus, but you're you're dull in hearing about it. This is where this all begins. So let's kind of lean into this dire warning. And I think you'll find an ironic encouragement if you're a believer in this room as we walk through this text that the writer's going to offer. So he gives us that fair warning. And then he gives us the food of faith. Let's look at it. For though by this time... You ought to be teachers. You ought to be teaching chapters 1 through 5 about the excellencies of Christ. The solid food. That is the solid food. Don't get caught up in milk and solid food. Just trust me on this and then go study it with your community group later. The solid food is the excellencies of Christ. Everything else is the milk. Okay. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles oracles of God. You need or want milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food, the excellencies of Jesus, is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Christ is the only thing that will ultimately get us to understanding that. The difference in good and evil simply can be summarized by what would worship be. Is this good or is this evil? The question is, well, what would worship be? If I engage, is it worship? If I don't, is it not worship? What is worship? Contemplating Christ, is this for the glory of Christ? will help us understand what is good and evil is what he's getting at. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Now this is loaded and can be incredibly complex. I'm going to try to be super simple and and give us some nuggets and I fully expect you to light me up and go, hey, let's go sit down and talk about this at Edgar's. Um, or Arby's, or Pizza Hut, or whatever. We'll do it, all right? We can talk about this more. But the elementary doctrine here, he, he, he ties into the elementary doctrine of Christ. That should sound strange to us. Does that sound strange to anybody? Troy, you just said contemplate Christ, and he just said there's an elementary doctrine of Christ. Contextually, remember they're Jews, and we'll get to this. The elementary doctrine was... That as a Jew, they had to turn from the dead works of rituals and sacrifices and turn to Christ. Okay? That was the elementary work. So in other words, they left the Judaistic practices of sacrifice and, and, and rituals and washings and laying on of hands and all these things. They left it and they said, okay, that's done away with. Christ has fulfilled all of those things. I don't have to do any of those things. And they walked over here to Christ and they said, Christ is sufficient. He is sufficient. And let me tell you a hundred 
reasons why I left my sacrifices and my rituals and my washings. And instead of focusing on Christ, it started there. They went there, but then they went right back to... And But here's what I left, and here's what I was doing, and here's the rituals. And they, they begin slipping back into it. And so this is what he says, don't do this. In essence, I guess I could say it this way. They were staying at the kiddie table where there was mac and cheese. When if they would just leave that, they could head on over to the big kid's table and find all the goody good stuff. They, they were hanging out there. At some point, they went to the mac and cheese and said, we've got to leave these works, these dead works, and we go to Christ. And they did that, but their focus could never go further into the excellencies of Christ. Okay, just Jesus, from here on out, Jesus, boom. They said, yes, Jesus, because we left the works, we left the rituals, and they went right back to the foundations. Does that make sense? They're going right back here to the groundwork. They're not, they're not growing here. They're sticking here. They're continuing the SpongeBob conversation at Thanksgiving. Um, I, I got a hope and a glimmer of hope that that was coming soon. But it's not, is it? We've got a long way, right? But I love this moment of Thanksgiving. Um, but in our family, we always do, we split the tables. And, and so there's the big kids' table. And, and man, they are the, I mean, there's the turkey. There's the dressing. There's all these things. And in the kitty table, there's literally conversations about SpongeBob. It's Cole. Cole brings them up. Um, <laughs> yeah, six foot one, 210 pound SpongeBob guy. Um, but no, there's this, and, and there's, there's hot dog weenies here. And, and, and they want to keep going back to the hot dog weenies and the mac and cheese, and, and, and there's so much more to be had. And he said, listen, this is a slippery slope going back here. Here we go. Troy, where do you get that from? Well, what he says next. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this will do that if God permits. He says these things in themselves are, they're not inherently evil to talk about. He just says, but if you stay there, you'll never see the beautiful kaleidoscope prism lights of Christ. You'll just get stuck there. Don't do that. In other words, I guess he's saying, the writer's saying, hey guys, we get it. You've taken the 101 class on Christianity. You get it. But you need to go to 201 and 301 and 401. And this is what will continue in growth. In other words, it's time to see that Christ is indeed greater than everything. He's greater than everything. You should be teaching what I'm teaching in chapters 1 through 5, the writer's saying. You, you think that driving into the parking lot of the library is enough? Go on in. <laughs> Smell the books. Touch the books. See the books. Read the books. Dive in deeper. Further, don't just settle for the parking lot. Troy, say this another way. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. The Old Covenant said this, hey, there will be a Messiah who comes and He'll conquer all of the rituals that need conquering. He'll fulfill all of the law that needs to be fulfilled. He, there's, there's one coming that will do this. And the new covenant says, He did it. 
It's over. So quit thinking about it. Now that he's done it, be mesmerized by how excellent he is. That's what he's getting at here. See that Jesus Christ is the one who took God's frown and turned it into a smile. See the one who took God's wrath and turned it into a hug. See the one who brings purpose to your marriage. See the one who brings purpose to your job. See the one who brings purpose to your basketball playing. See the one who brings purpose to your hobbies. See the one who brings purpose. Quit going back to, did I baptize right? Did I do this right? Did I pray it right? Did I whatever? Go here! See how incredible he is. See how he fits in the workplace. See how he fits with your finest. Focus on Jesus as more excellent than anything. Let him be your soul satisfaction, your hope, your joy, the thing that wakes you up in the morning. Don't you go back to mankind's applause feeding your soul or even you doing, I read my Bible this way or I did. Don't get your joy from that. Do it, but find your joy in Christ going by my grace for you through faith. It is finished. It's finished. Go there. That's the rich, big kid table stuff. And so, this was me. For the first 20 years of my salvation, if I'm being dead honest with you, It was, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I am free in Christ. Hallelujah. Now, let me help you do some works. (laughs) Let me help you do some works to show you how much I love you. And Jesus is going, hold up. Either I accomplished everything you need for the satisfaction of the Father... Or I didn't. Which one is it? I live there, man. I got to do this. I got to. I got to quit drinking. I got to quit smoking. I got to quit having sex. I got to have. You got at my at my time is I got to. <laughs> you had to kiss dating goodbye back in that day. You know, <laughs> some of you guys remember this book. You studied it and then you burn it. Um, I, don't wear this, don't do this, don't do this, don't they? Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me. Now, buddy, I am really going to not do this or do this or whatever, and it's just a treadmill that will absolutely wear you out. In essence, you're crucifying Christ over and over and over and over again, which is exactly what he says in the text. So, Some of you in this room are afraid to be set free by the grace of the gospel. You go, that sounds a little too scandalous, Troy. I don't know if you can be free. Yes, Jesus, but Jesus plus what you do. The moment that you add Jesus plus anything, you've denied the sufficiency of the gospel. That's what he's warning them about. The big kid table is fixated on Jesus. They repented. They turned from, but they turned to Christ. Freed to focus on the majesty of Christ. Freed to focus on the joy and grandeur of Christ. Freed to talk about Jesus, to rest in Jesus, to see Jesus in all of the scriptures. And today, church, is a historic day. 
Because for the first time ever in my ministry, I'm going to quote Bill and Gloria Gaither. (laughs) And I probably should have done that a long time ago. Because they're solid, man. And then again, I I know our church, we got this weird gap. It's like we have people who have kids who are gone and who understand the Gaithers. And then we got this, this huge gap of people my age, honestly. And then... We have this young gap who goes, I don't have a clue who Bill and Gloria Gaither are. <laughs> like this gap, okay? But man, the Gaithers, they nailed it in this song that they wrote. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. He's like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will pass away, but there's something. That's it. Like they didn't know what else to write. They got mesmerized by Jesus and said, hey, I'm here. <laughs> all I can say is Jesus, 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 Jesus. And now we got, you know, worship songs that are like, hey, bop, 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 woo. You know, and it don't, it don't say anything. <laughs> there's nothing to it. It's nonsense. It's just... You know, hey, 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 yeah, spin around, hey, okay, yeah, clap, boom. And they got it. They were like, Jesus, Jesus, that's what he's saying. Are you mesmerized by Jesus like that? Don't you dare look at these lyrics and go, oh, that's old school. Look at them and go, my gosh, the gospel is flowing through those words. And then he says, here's the fatal flaw. i got to speed up. Here's the fatal flaw. And it is a catastrophic warning of remaining sitting at the kitty table and not going to just Jesus. And the warning is, the fatal flaw is if you start going back here and focusing on it, you're going to hit that pothole and it eventually, if you're not careful, will suck you right back in to believing that the law is sufficient to save you. That's what he's getting at. He's saying, don't do it. It's, it's, it's pothole fixation. Troy, what on earth are you talking about? Nancy, I can see you with your furrowed eyes going, what are you talking about, Troy? Pothole fixation. They teach this in motorcycle class. Um, in, in motorcycle class, as you're driving the motorcycle, <laughs> that's, that's driving a motorcycle. As you're driving the motorcycle, they say, don't look at the pothole. If, if, if the pothole's coming up, you can catch it, but bounce your eyes. If, because if you fixate on the pothole, you'll naturally drive yourself where? Straight into the pothole. Your, your body will just naturally do it. And they say, so keep your eyes up. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't have fixation on all these legalistic things, or you'll drive it, you'll end up hitting it. That's what he's getting at. All right, here we go. Whew. Verse 4. For it's impossible... It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, apostated, to restore them again to repentance. Does anybody else in this room feel the weight of those words? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. Just me. I think we all do, don't we? But hopefully everything that I've been setting up gives you a context for what he's getting at. Let's explain it further. Let's keep reading. 
since they crucify once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it's cultivated receives a blessing from God. But it bears thorns and thistles and it's worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. Christ alone accomplished the rituals and the washings and all of those things. Christ alone holds the key to resurrection and eternal life. And the impossibility is pretty clear here. Impossible is... Well, it it means something in English and every other language. Impossible literally means impossible. This is what this word means. But I don't want you to get stuck in the weeds... Track this pretty clear. If you've been set free in the gospel of Christ, that Christ is better than all. If you've tasted and shared the truth that the gospel, that Jesus is better than everyone, everything, every attempt. If you've had all of those things, and then if you leave grace and go back to the law to be judged by the law, the point is, is the law will crush you. That's the point. If, if you've been in the law and said, if I do this, if I, I can earn my salvation, if, if my good outweighs my bad, right? If I'm under this, if I leave that and go, okay, that's not going to work, I'm going to go to Christ and trust that His work, His bloodshed, His sacrifice, His redeeming atonement, His justification, His sanctification, His glorification, I'm putting all my eggs in the Jesus basket that He did what I cannot do and that He did what I will not do. I trust in this. And then if you leave that and go, but I, but I feel good when I do these things and I really want to prove myself. You know what? Jesus wasn't sufficient. I will earn my way. Then in the end, you trying to earn your way will be the thing that crushes you. It's impossible is what he's saying. If you leave freedom of Christ, go here. It won't work. That's what he's trying to say. Don't go there. Don't go back, Jews. Don't go back to that. And it's fun for us to look at the Jews and go, don't go back, but if we're honest, we'll go right there too as Christians, won't we? Won't we? Yes, Jesus. But man, I really need to white-knuckle my way to prove my love for him. Rather than going, hey, I will worship you as an outflow. Thank you for what you've done and I will give my life to you. But I'm also trusting in every area that I'm insufficient, that you're sufficient. You're the only way I'm getting in. One is works. One is worship. That's the distinction. We worship the Lord with our lives, don't we? But by gosh, we don't try to work our way in. Because when we try to work our way in, he said it. We are crucifying Christ all over again. What a word, church. What a word. If you trust that your sacrifices are enough, you're giving your money, you're reading your Bible, I'm trusting that those things will get me in. That's what makes God smile. Had a guy in the gym tell me this week, hey, I want to come to your church, man. I said, well, come on. He said, there's a few things i got to figure out first. I said, brother, if you figure them out, you ain't going to fit in at Safe Haven. <laughs> you're not going to fit in. Come on. We'll slip into that, won't we? 
My sacrifices are enough. In the end, you'll find out they're not and they'll crush you. If you trust that your washings are enough. Some of you guys in here have been baptized 17 times. Everybody giggling has done it. Right? Some of y'all, and you're trusting in that. And if you trust that that work is what gets you in, what he's saying is it'll crush you. It ain't getting you in. Some of you are trusting that your academia is enough. Particularly all those who come to our systematic theology on on Wednesday nights. That's us. That's us. If we're not careful, Joe, won't we? We'll think our academia is enough. I know enough. If we're trusting that our knowing is enough, in the end, that is the thing that will crush us. You didn't know enough. You can't know enough. He knew enough. That's the point. You'll grow, but you'll grow, as the Bible says, thorns and thistles, not any real fruit. You'll have some little things. That, oh, that looks pretty. That, the Pharisees had all kinds of things that looked pretty. They had tassels, they had applause, they had money, they had accolades, they had whatever. And what did Jesus say about them in Matthew chapter 7? In the end, many will say unto me, "Did but we prophesied in your name. In your name we cast out demons. We did all these things. Bo, what did he say? I never knew you. I never knew you. Because you rested in this. You didn't rest in my free, sufficient grace that I'm enough, my grandeur. That's the gospel, church. Remember, we think about apostasy as people bailing on Christianity to go to hedonism. That's not what he's talking about at all. He says the warning is not that you'll leave Christianity and go live it up. The warning is you'll leave Christianity and go trust that you can do enough to earn God's smile. That's the danger. Ah, man, I've, I've, gosh almighty. We got to wrap it up. The more I studied this passage, the more I realized I have no idea what this passage is saying. I'm going to tell you that up front. I mean, I studied this thing so much. I read so many commentaries and I got lost in the weeds. But every time I read it more and more, I kept getting more and more encouraged by this text. Like the, like the text started off as scary, and then I got more and more encouraged. And I just want, by a show of hands, is anybody, the more that we read this, get more and more encouraged by this text? If that's you, raise your hand. Isn't that weird? If you're more and more encouraged because of this text, the writer knew you would be, and that was his point. The full assurance of hope is what he ends with. He says, I know, I, I know I'm saying all these things, verse 9, and though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, and you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, dull of hearing, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Amen. Amen. So the emphasis of this passage, church, some of y'all came today 
Because you knew we were going to hit this passage, and you're like, yes! Today we're going to talk about can a Christian lose their salvation? That's not the point of the passage at all. The point of the passage is if you're a Christian and you're facing persecution, don't bail. Just turn your eyes back to Jesus more than you have ever before. That's his point. And it's fitting to hit this passage on Palm Sunday, isn't it? I thought about that when you said that. When you said today's Palm Sunday, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, Easter is coming. (laughs) You all remember what happened on Palm Sunday? Come on in, Jesus. Yes. Waving the palm branches. Seven days later, what did they say? Killing. Palm Sunday. Yes! Freedom! And then seven days. Now we like this better. Killing. Nobody can really cover my sin that way. I got to do it. Fitting. So how do we remain focused? I promise you, this will be it. This will be it. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for wrestling through the text. This is a good text. It's a good one. It's my favorite in the whole Bible. As you know, until next week. (laughs) Then that passage is going to be my favorite passage. How do we remain fixated? It's pretty simple. Well, we devour the Scriptures. Jesus said this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah. How do you focus on Jesus see the excellencies of Jesus? Well, you, you study it. You read about it. Do today what you wish you had done yesterday. You go, I hadn't cracked my Bible in a year. Hey, do it tomorrow. Do, do it today. Do it today. Plug in, man. No judgment here. No judgment here. I try to have a Bible study every single morning before I get my feet out of the bed. I try. Hey, I don't knock it out of the park. I mess it up. I miss. I'll miss. We're in the same boat. Keep, keep going. Do today what you wish you'd have done yesterday. Devour the Scriptures. See the excellencies of Jesus. Number two, surround yourself with people of faith. Don't surround yourself with people who are going to suck you back into works or hedonism or whatever it is. Hebrews 12.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's where we're headed, lay aside every weight, sin that's clings so closely, and let us run with it, endurance the race that's set before us. You need people, and people need you. That's true. And that's also a worldly statement. In your workplace, you hear that phrase, right? You need people. Other people need you. You're important. You've heard that at work, right? That's worldly. The Bible says this. You need gospel-centered people, and gospel-centered people need you. It's a subset. You need that. If you're sitting by somebody right now who is that to you, by gosh, you reach over and hug them. Slap their leg, tap their back, something. You let them know, thanks. Thank you. We need that. And number three, be stunned with the excellency of Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Be stunned by that. Stunned by that. That keeps you centered. 
So unbeliever and believer, believer alike. Salvation is not best assured through a one-time I prayed the prayer. It is not best assured by a one-time baptism. It is not best assured by I joined the church. Salvation is not best assured by the fact that somebody prayed over you as a child. It, it's, salvation is not best assured by any of those one-time things, a one-time communion or whatever. Salvation is best assured in your heart by you believing it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday And maybe Sunday. Every moment. Every millisecond. Every hour. We need Him, don't we? Hey, what a passage. Let's pray. Lord, today we see that The law will indeed condemn us. And out of this strange passage, (laughs) we see that your works and your substitution will save us to the uttermost. If you're a believer in this room, When we sing this next song and we enter into communion, buddy, you better run to the table. Celebrate Jesus. Woohoo! For theme and communion people, y'all might want to find some extra crackers and stuff too. But unbeliever in this room who's trusting in your works, did I do this? Did I not do this? Did I? Hey, stop. Stop doing that telling you in the gospel stop today trust in the sufficiency of Christ he lived a sinless life you did not he fulfilled all the law you will not he bled and died his blood was perfect yours is not there's nothing you can do to pull your bootstraps up and earn your way to the father you can't do it trust in Jesus that's it Move yourself to Team Jesus. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, God's glory alone, all the soulless. You become a good Lutheran. We're not even Lutheran. Jump to Jesus. You can do that today by praying right where you are. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm trusting in your sufficiency. Today, I embrace you as my Savior and Lord. If you do that, let us know. There's a little card. Let us know. Like, Troy, hey, call me. Boom. We'll do it. If that's you, then we'll follow through with baptism. We'll talk to you about what that means. Let us know. I'll be quiet now. Lord, have your way. Do your work as we respond.